Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome once again to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. Today, I am joined by the brilliant Amy Thompson, entrepreneur and founder of Moody Month, the app, and author of Moody, the book. After having experienced crippling anxiety, not unlike myself, as a result of burnout, Amy couldn't quite figure out how to get herself back on track until she delved into the complex world of hormones and started to understand precisely how they were impacting her. Here we talk about her journey and the role that our hormones play when it comes to anxiety. And Moody, her new book, is out now and I very much recommend it. Amy Thompson, thank you so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I'm so, so excited to chat to you, mostly because I think hormones just do not get anywhere near the amount of airtime that they deserve. And I'm sure that's something that you found in your experience so far. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. Um, I obviously completely biasedly agree. Um, And it's also really exciting to talk about it in the context of anxiety as well, because I think from a personal experience point of view, and also just broadly, one of the areas that also is incredibly misunderstood, I think. And yeah, always happy to talk and excited to get into it. Brilliant. Well, I'll ask you about the book and the app and everything. But to begin with, I'm so interested in your experience, because like me, I think it's a case of having gone through a bit of a shitty time and then realizing, hang on, this isn't working. And then that bringing you to the result, which is now your your app and your book. But can we go back to when you started to experience that burnout and that anxiety? Can you tell me like what was going on? Just paint the picture of that time. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think you're absolutely right. So much of this um, kind of conversation at the moment is happening from what we would describe as as layman terms. So not doctors, but actually from people sharing their real life life experiences. And I think coming back to my own experience, um, one of the things that happens with burnout, which is a hormonal experience because of stress, um, which is, again, a hormonal process, was that for me, what was helpful was understanding the chemical processes that were going on inside my body that had led me to that point. But the reality was this was 2016. I was overworking, overstretched, you know, all the common symptoms, as it were, to, to lead to burnout. But no one was really talking about the fact that it could be connected to something which I could then manage through health and well-being. And I'd kind of seen health and well-being in my kind of world as being something that you do as a luxury. And then you have exercise, which was one of the other symptoms and, and problems that I didn't realize was causing and compacting essentially my burnout was I was over-exercising. So I was running 5k you know I was doing half marathons I'd got into running because I I wanted it as almost an antidote to the stress and the pressure of of work and actually what I didn't realize was that it's a very cardio at scale as well in the way that I was doing it was causing me a lot of problems because it's adrenaline and cortisol it obviously has good benefits as well but for me in that state in that kind of mental physical state it was actually compounding the problem so just to quote across you there, I have never met someone who has explained exactly what I went through because everyone loves running for anxiety. And when my anxiety was so bad, I thought that I could just run it out of my system. And the exact same thing happened where it was just more cortisol, more adrenaline, that harsh racing feeling. And I couldn't understand why I was feeling worse and worse until I understood the hormones involved. So thank you for, for validating that, that it really does matter the type of exercise that you choose and the type of wellness you try to apply to yourself has to work for you. Exactly. And, and this is one of the reasons why I started with technology and writing a book actually was probably one of the most anxiety inducing experiences of my life. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that I, I did it because we needed to put some of the science that went into the app. I needed to put it into words for me to share some of the things that had really changed my understanding on a much more profound and deeper level in the research that went into the technology. But the technology is designed around this reality that there are four phases for women within your menstrual cycle. And actually what was really, again, profound for me in the journey of realizing running wasn't working was that there are certain times of the month where your body is you have lower estrogen, so after ovulation, and higher progesterone. And for a lot of women, certainly for myself, rather than having chronic issues with pain, it's the emotional changes. And that was when I was, again, going almost further into my running journey in that phase when actually I should be resting and recovering and allowing my body to heal. And I didn't know that. And so the technology being designed not around when you're bleeding or ovulating, even though you can track those things and that is included within the experience of the the app but it allows you on a daily basis just to understand based on where your overall cycle is what your emotional physical changes might look like and therefore to give you essentially just a companion app to support when you should maybe push yourself a bit more when actually maybe not because that was the information that it it was really hard to find so I was privileged I had access to resources because of my work and because of my life at that point. And I had personal trainers, nutritionists, I had all these experts and I just realized it was so expensive for me to get 
basic information about what was the right thing for me to do for my cycle, but also more importantly, in a, an overstimulated stress state, how to actually track and manage that experience when my period stopped totally. So what had happened was because of those things, I don't know whether that was your experience too, but my periods just totally stopped. So I didn't have a cycle to track, but I had moods and symptoms that were happening to me in, in regular patterns that I wanted to better understand so that when I did go back to any expert, doctors included, I was able to report better what I was feeling. The lack of period, was that the biggest marker for you that something wasn't right or were you experiencing anxiety symptoms like panic or waking up in the morning with the extra jolt of cortisol feeling horrific because I thankfully never lost my periods but I guess it went from stomach issues and then it cranked up a notch because I wasn't listening to that and it just full-blown anxiety like panic and like shaky hands all that kind of stuff did you have any of that? Yeah, I did. And I, again, it was the fact that I wasn't, I didn't have the words or the language to articulate what was wrong. I just thought there was something wrong with me. Yeah. So I didn't listen for a really long time. And actually, I think the final straw for my body was my period stopping. And I just couldn't ignore that because that was something tangible that I had been told I could go to the doctor for. So it was interesting to me that actually, one, I'd ignored and suppressed so much of what was going on. And due to work, I was actually traveling a lot overseas. So I was spending a lot of time in California on the West Coast. And I was also incredibly jet lagged. So I, rather than thinking I'm overly stressed and I've taken on too much, I put it down to jet lag. Because <laughs> we're continually trying to find rationale almost like trying to drive a car long distance without even knowing how to use the steering wheel or the gear stick. I, di I didn't even know that stress was hormonal. So for me, what was difficult about that was the minute you go to a doctor with something like your period stopping, or even when you have anxiety or, or stress disorders broadly, the first thing they'll do is how often are you experiencing these symptoms? When are you experiencing these symptoms? And you should go away and kind of keep track of it to then come back to them. And obviously it's really hard when you're in that moment because you just want someone to help you understand it. But really a doctor is there to essentially give you information after a much more detailed information piece you have to do on, on your own data. And I realized there was no technology in the space, particularly for women who already have a barrier to entry with, you know, dismissing our experiences, fear, you know, especially around pain and particularly with menstruation as well, and then mental illness within that. I realized that we needed to build something that people could safely track these, these experiences because there was at that point in time, nothing that I could use. It's also, it's intimidating, you know, when you're, when you're already feeling anxious and overwhelmed, you need something accessible that can empower you and, and help turn inwards to see, well, what's actually going on for you? And I'm curious, sometimes I find it's a case of lifestyle influences impacting your hormones that then result in the anxiety, but then sometimes it's the hormones or maybe your particular way your hormones work, like chicken or egg situation. So do you find in your experience so far, is it a case of let the hormones lead you or is the lifestyle leading the hormones? Chicken and egg is a, the perfect analogy for this, right? It, and it's also a cycle that you end up stuck in. I think the main thing is just being able to take a breath and stop and just start to understand if there are patterns associated. I think then you're able to make informed decisions about lifestyle choices. So the main thing is that especially within stress and anxiety is there are trigger points, right? It could be an environmental factor. It could be a person. It could be an environment. It could be a work 
thing it could be anything um and actually being able to say okay that's the moment where i i really don't feel good this is something that's happening to me this is an experience and being able to to journal it and for me i I was slightly biased in this in that i'm a big believer in paper journaling but the challenge with paper journaling is that it's very difficult to then go back through all of that information and extrapolate patterns because you then have to almost go back through your trauma (laughs) so you have to reread everything and and not that that's not good when you're in a good headspace but the problem is when you're needing that information it's actually when you're not in a good headspace so that's why for me it was important to build a tracking tool that allowed you almost to just show someone if you were feeling really bad you've been logging this mood or this specific symptom this many times every month and this is how many times it's showing up for you then they can go okay this is potentially something we should do panel blood work for or this is something we should look more into or this is something that actually if you're just able to remove this thing this environmental factor from your life or if you can't do that how do you prepare to go into these environments whether it be breath work meditation you know just having calm routines and rituals it helps again just inform if it is something that needs more information from a doctor you are also prepared while also feeling more empowered by okay I can see the pattern this is how I can change or adapt my experiences in life to ensure that I'm reducing my stress where possible because it's prompting me. So if someone is having a really anxious time and they can't quite put their finger on it and maybe it's more of a chronic thing looking at your hormones you can kind of address the nurture and the nature aspect of it. In theory, yes, I think there's no one size fits all. I think obviously we all would all love a perfect, <laughs> a perfect scenario where it's as easy as that. Um, there are so many factors involved. There's also obviously, you know, your environment is something that you can't always control. So the reality for me and the thing that was very powerful and game changing was just an understanding that these emotions, whether it be happiness, stress, even anxiety, there's a chemical response that's happening within your body that is putting you into, and you've talked a lot about this before in terms of the fight or flight experience, that is something that's chemical. And I think the realization that there are things almost slightly outside, I can't control the fact that chemicals are going to respond inside my body to that reaction. That's not something I can stop. What I can do is I can better prepare the environments and spaces around me. And it was almost a reframing for me that there was science happening inside my body, which helped me contextualize the reason why I needed to be kinder to myself. And I needed to change certain routines and rituals to make my body feel calmer, not put more adrenaline, more stress, more energy into it. And it was almost the words and the language that were as powerful than even the detail of the process. Yeah, that was just such a turning point for me as well was, and I always use the phrase to work with yourself rather than to work against yourself. And even though maybe you hadn't addressed the lifestyle factors at this point, maybe you were still very much in an anxious phase where the hormones were still flying high with cortisol. But just the fact that I could say, like you say, this is not just me. I can't think my way out of this. It's not my fault. I'm not doing this to myself. It takes the pressure off and takes away the guilt. That for me just immediately dissolves like a top layer of anxiety that 
goes on top of everything else that makes us feel like, okay, I know I'm anxious. I should be able to just stop feeling it now. And there's such a time delay, I think, between acknowledging something, realizing it, and then it actually working its way out of your system or taking time to recalibrate. And that's where I find a lot of people who have no awareness of their hormones fall down because they start to create more and more tension of resisting it of like why can't I just feel better now I had a baby um eight months ago and I felt my hormones were just insane afterwards the anxiety I felt I was so unprepared for it and I just was so wanting to just stop feeling this way but it was going to take weeks if not months for those hormones to settle down Exactly. And, and it's exactly as you said, this idea that we're just a chemical compound. And what was exactly as you said, this idea that you can't get chemicals out of your system as quickly as we perceive the idea you can get rid of an emotion or something because it's not it's a non-tangible asset. Whereas quantifying the idea that an emotion or an experience has a chemical response that sits inside your body in real, in real time <laughs> helps contextualize the idea of why it's important to then to then have these processes in these environments where we're able to help our body and support in removing those, those chemicals from our body. And so this is one of the things with crying. So one of my big symptoms, interestingly, which I only found out actually recently is even a symptom was I couldn't cry. And I was obviously under a lot of pressure and, and, and experiencing quite a lot of trauma in my life as well at the time. And I just couldn't cry. And one of the things that happened when I did and I was using breath work actually to try and release was it actually releases stress hormones. So crying is a physical, literally a physical manifestation of you releasing stress, pain, anxiety, you know, these chemical buildups inside your body. It's a physical response. And that's why most people, when you've cried intensively, you feel very tired, but you also do tend to feel a bit better. Yeah. And the weird reality that we've stigmatized the very bodily function that creates the ability to support yourself is, is bizarre to me. I know, like we constantly say, oh, don't cry, don't worry about it. We're always trying to suppress how we really feel. And I feel that like, I, I know you talk about this in the book as well, about the whole wellness industry that was meant as sort of the solution to burnout became part of the problem because we're trying to fit ourselves into a mold of what wellness should look like when we have to let our bodies respond and like turn inward and see what's going on for us. Exactly. And, and it's really, there is no one size fits all. And I think that was interestingly where my slight anxiety with the book came about was I'm writing from my own experience and there are so many experiences, more experiences that need to be shared. But I, I'm talking also from the perspective of the reason the technology was powerful for me was because it allows somebody to tune into something in their own terms. And my background was that I'd worked with Nike and, and even Apple in the kind of health tech space early doors. And I realized that one of the things for me as a woman that was missing was this understanding that my body was different to a man's. Okay. And the fact that health tracking was designed with this homogenous human experience <laughs> that everyone's the same and we're just not. Hormones is one very important component to differentiating ourselves and therefore a wellness industry that's designed essentially around a male experience but designed to sell to women is a very bizarre one. And so for me, it was also saying, well, stress and anxiety are different for women and men and also the experience of our cycles and the four phases of our cycles there is a fluctuation around happiness, vulnerability, anxiety that can happen across the changes of estrogen and progesterone. And I was blown away by just how little there was out there about the emotional or the mental health experience 
of cycles Mm -hmm. there was just this huge focus on fertility so again coming back to kind of where we're almost misled by the information that's available to us but we do have to kind of lead with our experiences to start showing that there's more research that needs to be done as well in the space because the mental health associated to hormones is very under research absolutely what did you find when you started to kind of connect these dots for yourself what changed when did you start to feel better and is it a case of observing yourself as the month goes on and like leaning in and out of it or I think people sometimes try to prescribe themselves with like a this is my well-being plan and this is how it's going to be set in stone but I guess with your hormones it's going to like you say fluctuate and you're going to lean in and out of your experience so what did you notice changed for the positive? For me it was completely life-changing across so many aspects I think Firstly, I was able to get my period back (laughs) by being able to understand that there was exactly, as you said before, about guilt. It it wasn't in my power after five years of being highly stressed and highly, highly functioning, um, air quotes. I was essentially burnt out and it was going to take me hopefully not five years to recover from that. But it was the ability to understand there is a time frame to, I hate using the word detoxing because it's kind of the wrong word and I try to not use it, but, you know, flushing out or getting rid of the kind of level of stress that had been manifested and and physically in my body through, you know, diet and exercise. And that was very much about moving away from high cortisol, high adrenaline exercise and into more kind of low energy, softer exercise, but frequency. So daily 15 to 20 minutes. It wasn't about doing lots. It was just about doing small incremental amounts to help just give myself environment changes and remember that actually this was good for me as well and not prescribing this idea of the only way to get fit and feel good is to be doing hit classes 24 hours a day yeah which was really I had to recondition my brain like I had literally indoctrinated that that without running I was going to be unfit unwell and I wasn't going to be calm and I had to really work back from the fact that that's not how my body works and then when my cycles came back It was transformational because firstly, the appreciation of something, absence makes the heart grow fonder across the board. And I have never loved my period more (laughs) or dismissed it ever again, because um, I'm so grateful for it being there at this point. But it was the phases for me personally, as somebody who menstruates and, and has, you know, not a regular cycle, but regular enough to be able to identify that there are changes across my month. It helped me tune into productivity. It helped me understand, you know, when to be kinder to myself, when to maybe actually prepare more for a meeting or not. It also helped with sex drive, interestingly, because I'd always considered the idea that, you know, you get up every day and you should feel great and you should feel into it. And if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. And actually the idea that that changes across your, your four phases and obviously changes around, you know, ovulation and and bleed as well. And just this whole language of, we are not a 24 hour body, which operates on the same system every single day and being accepting that routines and rituals should be tailored to how you feel and what is good for your mind and your body on that day. And there are chemical things happening, certainly with your menstrual cycle, that can be utilized to help elevate the experience of your body. And everything becomes calmer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Oh, sign me up. So what kind of information are people inputting then to the app or what's the algorithm here? What are we getting presented back with like a plan of action or just some advice or how does it work? Yeah. So we started with menstruation as our, our central core for tracking first off. So if you don't have a cycle, the, the product still allows you to track your mood and symptom changes and then would reflect those patterns back to you. So the more you log and more you tell Moody, which is a safe space as well, we, we never sell data. I always have to caveat that because one of the other things that we built into this was building technology by women for women. And what do we want from an experience to feel safe? So reflecting those patterns. But if you have a period cycle, you can input your period dates. And what it will then do is also look at what is known about cycles and the phases of those cycles. It will reflect that science back to you, almost like a weather forecast for your emotional, physical health, connected to what is known about changes happening within those four phases. And then it will recommend diet, exercise, even mindfulness across breathwork, meditation, but they're all 15 minute exercises so or five to 15 minutes so it's really simple it's less about building programs and routines and more being prompted that if you use the experience or the things that we're recommending in the app great but also even just taking that time for yourself outside of the technology is what's really important so reflecting common moods and symptoms is the first thing cycle phases and understanding the emotional physical changes in the science in a digestible way and then the recommendations of what to do wow It's been a five-year journey in that build, but I feel really, really proud of the team and and where we've got to and actually just hoping that more and more opportunities for technologies to be built in the space, not just by us, but by other women to help make the experiences of these cycles and processes easier. Um, And hopefully also the diagnosis of more chronic illnesses and issues associated such as endometriosis, PCOS and and PMDD, because it's a lot of things also happening that are being very underrepresented and under-researched as well. 
Absolutely. Well, massive congratulations on the app and the book. I want to just drill down just for people listening who know now that, okay, there's something to do with hormones with my anxiety, but what exactly are we dealing with? So can you just explain the endocrine system and then maybe the hormones involved specifically with anxiety and stress and what a pattern maybe looks like for someone who's very anxious? Of course. Well, I, again, I have to caveat this with every person is slightly different. Yeah. And obviously anxiety also can be as a symptom of many things. So the first thing is identifying that you are feeling anxious and trusting that that is something that's true. So from an endocrine system perspective, you know, we have glands from our brain right the way through to our ovarian cycle. And each of those glands has a release of different chemicals based on different things. So for stress, it's your adrenal glands, which are positioned just in your back and they're releasing adrenaline, noradine, cortisol. And there's essentially a response that that is designed from a functional perspective in fight or flight to be aware of danger. So we live in an environment and a world which is incredibly overstimulated (laughs) and our bodies are not designed necessarily to be stimulated all the time with all this information. And so often what's happening is that we're throwing our body and our chemical responses, which, and these responses are happening from your adrenal glands, but then it's affecting all the other glands. So your sleep cycle, for example, is based around you have your hippocampus and you have your brain releasing neurotransmitters, but you also have your brain releasing melatonin um, and the penile gland. And so if you have effects from overstimulation of one organ and one kind of area of your body, whether it be your adrenal glands overstimulated with stress hormones, that is obviously going to have a knock on effect to the other glands and the other chemicals because our body is almost a chemical balance and a symphony and that's why my period stopped was that essentially my stress hormones had been so overstimulated that it was having a knock-on effect to other things to metabolism to sleep and then eventually my periods just stopped totally the challenge is that you know we're dealing with cycles (laughs) that change and the research shows that there is a kind of hypothesis that there's a correlation, but there's a lot of people dismissing stress associated to other cycles. And I find that quite difficult because I think that when you're dealing with anxiety disorders, especially, they're so chronic and they're so real and they're happening to so many people, helping people understand that your sleep and the effects potentially disruption in your sleep has a correlation to the fact that there's other chemical systems going on is often very well for me and the people that I speak and the women that I'm speaking to at the moment, it's very helpful to contextualize that idea. So the cycles are all interconnected from sleep to metabolism, to energy, to menstruation, and therefore the hormones. And when you think about your adrenal glands and overstimulated all the time because of the world in which we live, it makes a lot of sense that it's having a disruptive effect on other cycles as well. So that's, I hope, yeah. <laughs> enough of a summary. But one of the other reasons why the, why the book was important was this is the research that has been going on for the last five years and working with not just endocrinologists, which is the kind of expertise of, of hormone science, but also psychiatrists as well. Um, and the reality that they're starting to see, and the, the thing about a lot of this academic work is there's lots of people sitting in their area and their expertise, but 
almost like what we need is from a from an experience point of view for everything to become more centralized because these things yeah. don't sit in isolation of each other they are as one we experience them as one thing so helping people understand the baselines helps then hopefully the experts in their field be able to diagnose better so you're kind of bringing together those different disciplines and seeing the overlap and I guess the Venn diagram which is then our experience yeah, and that's why writing it from the point of view of someone's experience is not about saying that there isn't a very important space for doctors to help diagnose. But if a patient walks into, you know, and says, I've just been Googling this, <laughs> um, or if they walk in and say, I've been tracking this, and I've been tracking this experience and this symptom, which I think are connected to this, it's not that that doctor isn't going to say, actually, there's other things going on here. You're not trying to encourage people to self-diagnose. You're just trying to give people more information so that they feel more confident, more informed and less guilty when they go and ask for help. Okay. And apart from tracking how you're feeling and getting that sort of insight on the hormones, is there ever a scenario where, I mean, I myself, when I was trying to do all my investigations, it was 2014, I was in a really bad way. And I went to a functional medicine doctor and she did some testing on my adrenals and stool samples. And I mean, she did every kind of test imaginable. And she could see then on these hormone tests that like my cortisol was just off the charts. My melatonin wasn't wasn't coming up and she also did some tests on my genes which I know is a separate thing altogether but there was something that I was like kind of lacking that made my ability to cope better a little bit harder than maybe someone who didn't have this problem so apart from just patterns in how we function is it good to kind of investigate into like what are you actually dealing with at a sort of biological level is there ever a case where someone is just like oh you just don't produce that hormone at all like that would help you to kind of get a clearer picture absolutely and I think what's really What's really difficult in this space is almost like we're having to reverse engineer our education, right? So most of us know more about, you know, wars in the world than we do about our own body, which is kind of crazy. When thinking exactly about that, going to an expert and being able to do blood work, being able to do saliva tests, stool tests, to be able to identify your balance, your pattern from a direct hormonal biometric perspective is really, really powerful. I think that the challenge is that we often do that when something's wrong. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the culture of when we're sick, we go and ask for help. When we're not, we're just happy to not be ill. <laughs> but I think that there's a, there's a shift happening in people wanting to know more, you know, not just at the point that there's something wrong. I think it's the price point is a challenge. It's very expensive. And having the ability to start with just giving people a first level understanding and then being able to say, okay, if you have the ability to go and get additional tests, great. But also I hope in the future as these things become more and more relevant for us to understand and for people to understand why it's relevant, these things become cheaper because that's yeah. the major thing is being able to make it more accessible to, to more women um, at scale. Yeah, it was very, very inaccessible. And um, I mean, I was willing to throw whatever at it because I was just in such a bad way. But I think you're right there in that, like when I went and I had those results, it was very much a case of that was the state of my hormones as opposed to necessarily the trait. Is there a worry there that people would maybe say, oh, well, I just produce so much cortisol. So that's just the way I am. I'm not going to do anything about it. Whereas it's something you can change and bring down and, and influence yourself. Is that fair to say? Well, I, I, I think so. But I also think this comes back to what it feels like, right? If you feel good in your body and your body is functioning well, then that's great. It's just that a lot of us 
don't. (laughs) And it's not that hormones are the only factor involved in things. It's just it feels like a really missing piece of our education around how we get to articulate emotional, physical health and the connection between the two. And if you feel happy and healthy, then that's great. But if you also want to understand, you know, and it comes down to a lot of, again, I think this around my own experiences of food as well and intolerances and things that, you know, have also been very much linked to anxiety disorders. And it's this idea that your body is responding and reacting in different ways because of other things that are going on. And so just being able to test around which I think this is becoming more and more readily available, actually, is testing against or for intolerances and foods. But remembering that it's not the food necessarily, and it's not that it's something that you're allergic to. It's something that because of the stress experiences within your body or because of something that's happened with that specific food for your body, it's reacting with inflammation or it's, it, it's reacting to that thing at that point in time. So being able to also think back to what is causing the stress in your life that then is creating other chemical imbalances in your body, which could be creating things such as intolerances in other areas. And again, it's this, it sounds so obvious, but I've realized so much in the process of what we've been researching and we've been building that it might sound really obvious, but I don't think everyone, anyone's ever told me that before. No. And it was that, light bulb moment that I realized again we needed to just be more vocal and talking about the science as well more publicly and from your observation in the hormonal space that you you're in where do you think people are mostly going wrong with anxiety when it comes to trying to make themselves feel better or is this the missing piece of the puzzle I don't think that hormones hold all the answers what I do think is that they help give context so I don't think anyone's going wrong anywhere right we've just been thrown into this whole situation with not really many guides or support. And I think that one of the things that is real is if you feel incredibly anxious, the worst part is a, you're kind of self-conditioned to be like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And this is going to go away. This is going to go away rather than go, Oh, actually I feel anxious. I need to do something about that. What does that mean? And so it's, it's taking a step back and, and actually just saying, it's okay that you feel these things, being able to then identify for yourself what you're feeling when you're feeling it, and then being able to work out what kind of help you want. Because this is the other thing of, there's so many ways that you can support anxiety. There isn't one size fits all. For some people, it is yoga. For some people, it's maybe more strict routines and rituals. Some people, it's having none and actually just accepting everything. I mean, again, I'm, yeah. I'm going into the, the breadth is about just being able to ask for support and help from the people that you know you're going to get it from and understand that it's, it's something that's happening within your body that is not your fault. And it takes time. And the other problem is we've been conditioned into a society where we want a pill to fix everything. And that's not how this works. And I think that's a real misconception that it's okay if you go to the doctor, they're going to give you something that's going to go away. And you go to the doctor and they tell you that this is something you might live with forever. And you just think, I don't think that is possible. (laughs) And again, it's this kind of idea that we, we want to exactly, as you said before, accepting yourself, understanding yourself and tuning into yourself is, the most powerful asset that you can have to then be able to seek the support and advice from experts in what field helps you and works for you. And that takes confidence, I think, and also a bit of experience in having 
felt crap for a while to have the authority to say, do you know what, you know, someone else is up chanting at the moon at 5am with their yoga and their chakras, but that just doesn't work for me. Sometimes I think there's a pressure to fit into what wellness looks like. And like, for me, I'm now so proud to say, honestly, curling up on the couch and watching some absolutely horrific reality TV show, I know brings back my equilibrium and restores balance for me. I think it takes a while to get confident to, to really hone in on your own individual experience and stop subscribing to what the whole world is doing to stay well. Exactly. Because literally wellness is about feeling well. So <laughs> if something doesn't make you feel the thing that it's telling you, then it's, it doesn't work for you. And it's okay to just dismiss that. And I think again, as exactly as you say that we've, we've also underestimated the power of friendships and connections and seeing friends. And if you don't want to see friends, that's also okay. If you want to sit on the sofa and curl up, but also identifying that you are giving yourself something that is releasing happy hormones. So this is the other side of this, right? We've talked a lot about the kind of stress and the negative experience, but the beauty of your body is it has these incredible abilities to release dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. These are chemicals that can help counteract and counterbalance the negative effects. And so whatever it is that helps you release your dose is what I call it in the book, which is dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that's okay. So you need to tune into the thing that makes you feel happiest because that's also a hormonal response. And how is your own anxiety these days now that you have so much more awareness and um, intuition with it? I think the word I would use is acceptance. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have no anxiety. <laughs> of <laughs> that's course. That's not something yeah. that is possible. I accept, I listen, and I also know this is why the science of my menstrual cycle is so profound. I know that in the fourth phase of my cycle, I've never been somebody that's experienced chronic headaches or, or cramps, although occasionally it's never been something that's been very profound, but chronic anxiety in the fourth phase of my, my cycle, self-deprecation, you know, all the, all the triggers, the kind of guilt, all the factors that come along with that. And so knowing that that's coming, I don't drink alcohol in that phase. So I don't not drink alcohol at all. I just specifically choose to not have the things I know elevate that. I don't drink coffee in that phase. I also try where possible to not um, eat sugar, even though that is the time of the month where all I want to do is just eat cake. When I say sugar, sorry, I should caveat that with, I mean like bags of Haribo because my, yeah. <laughs> my reality is not, oh, I'm going to have like, you know, a cookie or something. It's proper refined crack sugar. I try and like not eat that in my fourth phase, but I don't limit myself in anything else, I just try and be careful to understand where potentially my body is going to be elevating an experience that's naturally going to occur for me anyway. I'm so convinced. I'm literally going to go and sign up right now. The book is available. It's out now? Yeah, it's out now. Amazing. Amy, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. It was so illuminating and I think it's going to be so helpful for my listeners to think, wow, there's another like layer that I can tap into to get more control and be more empowered to own their anxiety, which is what the whole podcast is about. You know, they're in the driving seat. There's so much you can do to work with yourself rather than against yourself. You know, the hormones is, is key for that. So congratulations on everything and thank you so, so much for joining me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.